will forever remember this episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Not because it's the 95th episode. Not because I had a fantastic guest in 1972 Putnam County grad Tom Pomato, who is still pitching in Arizona in a men's senior league. Fantastic guest, and we will get to him. Great conversation about baseball, the area, Illinois, his life in Arizona. It was a great chat. But I'm going to remember this one forever because I fell asleep. I fell asleep at the computer editing. It was crazy. Long day at work, when worked out, chilled with some friends, then a loved one, got home, all excited to do the podcast. I started up, I'm editing, I'm getting stuff together, looking things up, and I fall asleep. I wake up, I'm like, it's bedtime. So I will never forget this one. That is the first time that has happened. I'm not going to say like I have been super tired and I, my eyes start to go, you know, go a little shut. And then I'll get up like, okay, I'll finish it later. No, this one I was fully passed out. Woke up a couple hours later. It's a milestone. That just means I'm dedicated to this. Doesn't matter how tired I am. I want to push out a great episode of Edge of URC podcast. But at the same time, it's probably good that I got some sleep to make it a little better, a little crisper. But don't want to make this intro too long. Already promised this episode Friday. This is Saturday, August 8th, and it's about 8 a.m. So we're going to get this out real shortly. A few things I want to talk about. The Chicago Blackhawks, the 12th seed in the playoffs. They were 23rd in the regular NHL standings at the regular season. I don't know what we consider this regular season playoffs with the COVID-19 deal, shutting things down, reopenings, trying to get games played. Blackhawks advance with a 3-2 dub over Edmonton Oilers. It's awesome. I am glad they're advancing. I really don't pay super close attention to hockey until it gets to the playoffs or Olympics because that is when it is amazing. And then I'll start watching it for a regular season like a couple weeks. And then I'm like, man, I'm doing so many other things. And basketball season is going. And so then it's, you know, I don't really pay attention too much. I will start paying more attention for Edge of Your Seat Podcast because it is very important in life. I mean, hockey is a great sport. But the Blackhawks get the 3-2 W. They're advancing. We'll play the winner of Vegas Golden Knights and Colorado Avalanche. That game is tonight on Saturday. The goals for the Blackhawks are scored by Matthew Highmore, Brandon Saad, and the guy that put him up. It was 2-2 after two periods. Dominic Kubelik comes in, gets the game-winning goal. I think there was eight minutes left in the third, but the Blackhawks held off the Edmonton Oilers. It is amazing. Hopefully I said their names right. Like I said, like I said, I don't follow a lot of hockey, don't really watch a lot of games. Maybe I have to just to get the pronunciations of these names right. Also, the captain, one of my favorite players, Jonathan Tays, to assist in the game. I'm super excited for the Blackhawks. Like I said, the 12th seed upsetting the 5th seed in the NHL.com story I read. This is probably the first time that somebody that low in the playoff standings had knocked off and advanced the team to go to the next round of the playoffs. So that is amazing for the Blackhawks. I guess before we get to Tom Pomato, which is a great interview, uplifting, we'll say a couple downers real quick. MLB duel that was scheduled this weekend between the Cubs and the Sox was canceled because of COVID-19 related issues. Also COVID-19 related, 66 NFL players have opted out of playing this season 
because of this virus. I heard that number Friday morning. But 66 NFL players, and it could be higher now. That is insane. The New England Patriots are leading the opt-out race with eight players opting out. There's only three teams that have no players opted out. Everybody wants to play football with these three squads, and that's Pittsburgh Steelers, Los Angeles Chargers, and the Atlanta Falcons. Three teams out of 32 teams have all their players saying, hey, I'll come and play. That's insane. That shows the seriousness of COVID-19 and the dedication of the Steelers, Chargers, and Falcons. Like, hey, I just want to play football. Hopefully we can stay alive. Hopefully we can stay healthy, not sick. But this is what I do. This is my well-being. I've been playing football forever, and I want to continue, not back away because of a virus. I am really sad about the Cubs and Sox, though. I was actually going to either sit down and watch it or put on the radio while I'm doing other things. But I was really, really interested in the Cubs and Sox because both teams are playing well. Even though a couple losses here and there, Cubs got smacked a couple days ago. It happens. It's baseball. Hopefully we will see it eventually, and I'm sure we will, as long as baseball keeps going. And that is another huge fear with a storied, I don't know we're going to call this a rivalry. Okay, let's call it a rivalry. Story rivalry between the Cubs, Sox, same town, who's big brother, who's little brother, who's the better squad, you know, all that good stuff. That usually doesn't get canceled for anything. So a virus taking it out. 66 NFL players deciding, you know what, I'm not going to play. I don't want to get on the field because I don't want this to happen to me. That is very serious and could be the shutdown of sports once again. Again, not trying to be the Debbie Downer, the bear of bad news. The giant elephant in the room that is squatting on people. Not trying to be any of those things. Just being a realist and stating what could possibly happen. I really hope sports keep going on because it is uplifting for all of us to be able to watch and be able to be there for sports. Obviously, when I say be there, I don't mean at the stadiums, but be there in front of our TVs, listening to our radios, talking to our co-workers and friends and family about the sports teams and athletes that we love. That keeps us going. We need positives right now, obviously. Sports is a huge positive. Like I said, I want to keep this sort of short because we got to get to Tom Pomato. Great interview. Great dude to speak with. Like I said, 1972 Putnam County grad. He is 65 years old and still on the mound. Still throwing fastballs. Not as fast as he would like or that he wants through, but he's still getting the job done. Let's have a word from our sponsors and then we'll kick it to Mr. Pomato. During the COVID-19 era, the quarantine, you probably started to see a few things that needed to be updated around your home. Whether it's a light fixture or an entire kitchen remodel, Olson Construction is here to help. The family owned and operated company prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty. Olson Construction specializes in roofing, siding, windows and doors, deck designs, remodels, garage additions, and room additions. Owner Keith Milas has been in construction for over 10 years and is willing and able to take care of your home renovations from start to finish with your thoughts and opinions taken with every step of the journey. For a free estimate, call Olson Construction, which is fully licensed and insured at 815 910 5982. Olson Construction can also be contacted on Facebook at Olson Construction LLC 
or via email olsonconstruction19 at gmail.com. To listen to any of the previous 94 shows or any shows that are going to be broadcasted, published in the future, check us out on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, and Google Music. We are also on social media, Edge of Your Seat Podcast on Facebook and Edge of Your Seat P on Twitter. If you have any questions, suggestions, or just want to shout out to Edge of Your Seat Podcast, you can also send an email, edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. Haven't done this every show, but definitely never forget Brian Cavelli on the beat, made the intro and outro for Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Much love and appreciation to my friend from SIUR College Days. We stay in touch here and there. Seen on his Facebook that he got a shout out by Timberland for some beats that he had made. That is amazing, my friend. I know he is an idol to you. You have always liked him, and that was your guy. So to have him, legendary icon of a producer, say your name on your beats, listening to you, that is amazing. I'm very happy for you, my friend. That is amazing is an understatement. Good stuff, man. We will be back next week with three shows. Don't have the order yet or what days, but I will get them out on Twitter and Facebook. So keep paying attention, and we will know when the shows are and who we're going to have. I'll probably announce that tomorrow on Sunday. So until next time, peace. During my span at the local newspaper in the Illinois Valley, one of my favorite things that I got to do every summer was Where Are They Now articles. I got to catch up with people that I'd either heard their name or maybe I watched them play when I was a kid. You know, just people I wanted to know about what they were doing and and things like that. And I got to come across a pitcher from Putnam County named Tom Pomato, graduated in 1972 and was still pitching. And actually, he's still pitching now, and we are very lucky to have him on Edge of URC Podcast. Tom, how is it going today? Uh, it's going great, Brandon. Uh, real happy to be with you and to talk about baseball and, and every other thing we can talk about. we got to start with baseball. I mean, you have been playing for a very, very long time. Are you still pitching to this day? Yes, I am. I'm playing in the Men's Senior Baseball League in Arizona. And uh, obviously with, with COVID, the season here this summer has been affected because of that. But yes, we have started an abbreviated season so far, and we've played two games. I've actually pitched in both games and have two wins. So I guess I'm off to a pretty good start. Not bad at all. And I'm not trying to date you at all or call you old or nothing <laughs> like that. I view you as a friend. But graduating in 1972 and still being able to pitch to this day, was it your body, you're just genetically gifted, or was there things that you did to make sure that you could still do what you're doing? I think it's a combination of things, Brandon, and one of those uh, certainly being luck. And uh, realistically, I had a 37-year break from playing baseball. I had injured my shoulder at Northern Illinois uh, that that kind of uh, shortened my career there. And really over the next several years, either in school or shortly after school, played a little softball, uh, had a lot of arm and shoulder pain, and then, uh, you know, would occasionally uh, throw the ball around in the neighborhood with some of the kids, but didn't play ball. I had opportunities to play hardball in the Chicago area and just, you know, turned it down even though I really wanted to play. And then as the article that you wrote about me 
for where are they now, talked about. Uh, I was brought back to the game in 2011 because of uh, an unfortunate situation where a friend of ours was dying of pancreatic cancer. And so that brought me back to the game, got me playing in a fantasy camp. And because of the joy of playing again, the pain-free experience, and then finding out about men's senior baseball in Arizona, I uh, connected the dots, got involved in the league out here, and uh, am playing to this day. So I feel somewhat that my arm has had a nice rest. You know, I, and of course, I've experienced some pain and some injuries since I've played, but luckily, knock on wood, it's uh, feeling about as good as it can for a 65-year-old. So for a 65-year-old, what kind of heat are you throwing these days? How fast can you get that fastball? Well, I don't know that I always classify it as fast, but, you know, it's. Uh, I think you have to be a little craftier as you, as you get older. It is kind of a, a league where the pitchers are not overpowering depending on which age bracket you're in. Certainly when I was younger, I, I was able to strike out. I had a lot of strikeouts. And even now, I think I get my fair share. But, you know, you have to you have to be smart. You have to kind of uh, think your way through the game. And you can't really overpower the hitters. You know, that being said, I've been uh, clocked probably in the low 70s, especially in, in some game situations. And, you know, I feel like my arm is pretty good shape. And I'm throwing the ball pretty good right now. Low 70s is probably better than I could have ever thrown. So, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, through the luck of some medical science, I did tear a uh, flexor pronator tendon in my left elbow several years ago after I started playing. And the doctor told me it could be healed by uh, rehab, which I found hard to believe. But I did do the rehab. The elbow did heal. And I was back to throwing, but still felt tenderness in that elbow. Since then, in the last year and a half or so, I've been, been able to get some cortisone shots, which has taken care of any pain and uncomfortable feeling and has really allowed me to be free and throw the ball pretty much how I really want to. Awesome. Well, good stuff. You mentioned, yeah. you know, when you were playing as a kid, let's go back to the beginning. Well, probably not the beginning, but beginning as we know with Putnam County. I mean, early baseball days in Putnam County had a lot of great players and there were other great players around the area. So let's just talk about, you know, your upbringing in baseball and how, you know, it was very important here. It's a good story. I look back on my, my younger days of playing baseball, uh, growing up in Granville, living two blocks from the park, and basically getting on your bike, taking your bat and, and glove and ball and going to the park and playing with whoever was there whenever uh, we could. We would uh, structure the game based on how many were there. We play right field out, you know, di different types of rules just to keep playing. And, you know, you basically played, you know, for the love of the game. And then, of course, uh, you know, fast forwarding to high school at Putnam County, um, couldn't have been more fortunate to be in that program. And again, being in a rural community, not having football was a real key where we would play uh, fall baseball, which was basically in the Tri-County Conference and uh, a few other non-conference games of some schools in the fall. And then, of course, uh, we would play in the spring, and that would be, you know, again, into, into the state tournaments. We'd play in the Illinois Valley Conference. We played against the bigger schools, the LaSalle Perus, the Mendotas, the Ottawas, the Marquettes, and then would play all summer. We would play Connie Mack. We would play American Legion. And I think when you roll all that up, I, I know we were playing about 
45 games at Putnam County spring and fall, and then you throw another 50 or 60 in the summer. You know, so I was playing about 100 games a year in high school. It didn't really matter how big the school was. You put nine guys on the field, and, and we could compete with anyone. We had great coaching. I thought Joe Messino was, was ahead of his time coaching in the Illinois Valley by using the squeeze bunt that we did so effectively. We had some great players, some guys that could really run. So, you know, stealing bases and getting extra bases was also a key. And of course, you know, we had some good pitching. So you combine all that and we had a lot of fun back in the day at Putnam County and also in the summers playing American Legion, Connie Mack and uh, all that good stuff. So if you roll it all together, high school, summers, college, the Arizona League you're currently in now, how many games do you think you played in? <laughs> uh, well, you know, it, it's hard to say. I've, I've probably played more ball. You know, I, I, I see what I've done here in the last seven to ten years playing ball again. You know, I've, I've pitched a lot of innings here in the last eight or nine years, uh, probably upwards of, you know, four to five hundred innings. You know, but I did have a long break. Uh, I play now with some guys, you know, in their 50s and 60s that have played baseball all their life, guys that are even older than me. We have a guy in our league he's 84 years old and he's a pitcher dick fitzgerald and as i got to meet this guy he's a little lefty and he actually was born in peru illinois he has been pitching all of his life he was a roommate to brooks robinson in the 50s in the baltimore orioles system to this day he's still pitching and playing in our league so i see guys you know i'm old but i see guys older than me and i say well gee i've got another five ten years left so it's inspirational and it's fun and and yeah i, I don't know what the number would be but um it's the kind of game that every time i put the spice on and get onto the field myself and all the other guys around me just have big smiles on their face who are some of your favorite teammates and opponents when you were with Putnam County? Who are some guys that stand out that you remember playing with? Well, you know, I played I played with and against, you know, some pretty good guys. I mean, when you look at guys in the Illinois Valley, played against Guy Hoffman at, in Ottawa Marquette, Gary Vecini, Marty Serena, who I believe he played baseball. He was at uh, Ottawa High School, went to, uh, I believe he played at Notre Dame. Played against Mike Cabrera at St. Bede. Uh, a lot of great players at LaSalle, Peru. And, uh, you know, a lot of great players in our conference, in the Tri-County Conference. I had great duels with John Hoshite out of Henry, who went on to play at Southern and is in the Southern Illinois uh, Hall of Fame for baseball. Winona High School had some great teams back in the day with Ron Jackson. Uh, Peterson. Um, so the, the Tri-County Conference, my junior and senior year, we had some really good teams and we had some really tough games to, to win the conference both years. As far as Putnam County players, you know, I played my fellow lefty buddy, Jim Moriarty, uh, who we were just inducted uh, into the Hall of Fame with uh, last year, you know, fellow lefty. So, you know, we had a, a good combination of a couple of left-handers on the mound at Putnam County. I played ball with the Ernicus twins, you know, who stole bases left and right and could catch anything in the field. I've been fortunate to play, you know, with some great guys and, and also play against some great guys. What I enjoy about now uh, playing senior men's baseball is everybody has a story. Uh, guys that are playing 
at this age, in their 50s and 60s, you know, obviously have played baseball before. It's not something that all of a sudden at age 50, you say, oh, gee, I'm going to go out and play hardball. It's just not something you can do. So all these guys have, have played ball, have a history. And as I always say, you never know who you're going to meet on the field. And as I've played men's senior baseball and I've played in a lot of tournaments, I've played in the World Series and played with teams and against teams throughout the country, you all of a sudden find out that this guy played you know, in the Padre system or this guy played, you know, in college ball. And, you know, it's always fun to see guys out there that have had some success at whatever level and are still playing. That's awesome. Have you met anybody in the Arizona Senior League that, you know, was a big name or somebody that, you know, other people in the baseball world definitely knew? Well, I would say on the top of my list, if anyone would remember the Oakland A's back in the mid-80s um, under Billy Martin, there was a time where Billy Martin rode the coattails of four starting pitchers that I believe set the record for the most complete games and the most innings pitched. There's a guy in our league, uh, Brian Kingman who played with the A's. He was one of the four starters at that time. And I believe he was one of the last guys, he won't want me to say this, was one of the last guys to lose 20 games in the majors. But Brian had a good career, probably pitched eight to 10 years in the major leagues, lives here in Arizona, plays in our league. But as it gets to be at this age, he's had some issues with his knees and, uh, you know, has had some problems. He's had some injuries lately. A lot of guys in Chicago will, will remember Bill Muscowren, who played for the Yankees and the White Sox back in the 60s and probably late 50s. His son, Greg Scourin, plays in our MSBL league and manages a team called the White Sox. I play with Greg in some other tournaments. Um, so those are two of the guys that, that come most to mind. There's another guy by the name of Jimmy Allen, who's a little left-handed pitcher. He is now 73 years old. And when you watch him pitch, the first day I ever saw him pitch, I knew that, you know, you could just tell he was a pitcher. And he was a former uh, major league player, and he was a batting practice pitcher for the San Diego Padres. And he's a little guy that just throws strikes and knows how to move the ball around, and he's just a real craftsman when he gets on the mound. Even at 73, he's lost some velocity, but he still knows how to pitch. We always talk about in sports, as you get older, you got to adapt. You know, if you're in basketball, you're dunking in your late teens and 20s, and then you get to, you know, your late 20s and your mid-range shooter, or you extend to the three-point shooter. How has that worked for you pitching? I mean, we have talked about fastball not being as fast as it was, and, you know, you just talked about him losing velocity. How do you deal with these things and, and adjust? you definitely have to adjust and how I've adjusted is by being more specific on where you're trying to throw the ball location inside outside up down and trying to master other pitches as I told a lot of people people couldn't hit a 12-6 curveball in central Illinois that's what I threw when I was in high school so that was my pitch in high school yes I throw a curveball today but but also throw a changeup. And I, and I try to use it a lot. And I think changing speeds is probably the biggest thing. Changing speeds and certainly location. 
you have to be smart. Now when you're 0-2 on a guy, you know, you have to figure out what you're going to do. You have to throw maybe a ball in the dirt, a ball off the plate. Um, try to get a guy fishing. That's what you have to do. When I was younger, I was a little, little more fearless. Uh, didn't think about all that stuff. Had a good curveball, had a decent fastball. Basically, either threw it by people or, you know, got him out on the curveball. And, and didn't have to think so much when I was pitching. But now, today, you do. So, in other words, where before, you know, your body and physical gifts could do it, now you have to use the mental aspect of the game as well. Yes, most definitely. From a standpoint of batting, which I, which I still hit, I'm more disappointed in my hitting because I always prided myself on my hitting. The big thing I see now, or actually don't see, is my eyesight gives me more problems as a batter than it does as a hitter. So as you can't really judge the ball when it's coming in and judge where it's going to be, you know, for that reason, uh, I, I just don't see the ball as well when I'm batting. You know, just can't seem to really connect like I used to or would like to. We mentioned a couple of times that this league is in Arizona. And of course, you know, baseball is popular in every state, you know, all over the place. But where we're from, Illinois, Illinois Valley, northern sort of kind of central Illinois in the middle mix here. You know, it is very popular. Obviously, high school, little league, junior colleges, even state colleges around here. Baseball is a big thing. We talk about that in Illinois, and then you go out to Arizona, and there's spring training, and there's college baseball in Arizona is huge. And then, you know, senior league, and little kids are playing baseball in junior highs and high schools. And so just as big or bigger on Arizona, how do you feel, you know, being part of both states and watching the baseball community? Well, it's very popular, obviously, in Arizona. I mean, having spring training here, it's obviously great for the economy. You have 16 teams. You have all these facilities, spring training facilities, and that's the benefit that we get by playing out here in the senior leagues is we get to play on the majority of our game in all the spring training complexes. So, you know, when you have a shared complex, let's say, like the Diamondbacks and Rockies share the facility at, at Salt River Fields. They have one stadium, but on each side of the complex, each team has multiple practice fields, probably five each, that are all major league standard and are all maintained to major league standard. So we're playing on these fields every night. You can get spoiled pretty quickly. I'd say the weather is, is one of the the biggest positives of playing in Arizona. You know, in Illinois, you've, you've got rain, you've got cold, you've got wind. And at least, you know, in Arizona, it's going to be sunny and it's going to be hot. But you're going to play. There's, you know, very few times a game is ever canceled out here. So the biggest weapon here is the heat. And especially in the summer where, you know, you go to play at night and the temperature at, at game time is still probably, you know, it could be 105, as high as 110. Right now, in, in this time of the year, uh, you know, we're over or near 110 every day. So you adapt, you hydrate, you drink a lot of water. And uh, believe me, I've seen, I've seen a lot of guys go down. Uh, I've seen umpires go down. So, you know, you have to be very careful. You have to, you have to treat the heat with respect. And I also think that playing in the heat is certainly better for an older body. You know, if I had to play in the cold in the spring and some of the summer games in, in Illinois, I couldn't imagine how my body would be creaking and, and trying to get loose. Whereas, you know, in the heat, 
you don't have that problem and you can get your body loose but you just have to take care of it once you do definitely you mentioned before you know COVID-19 shortening up the season how has COVID-19 affected you you know as a person as an individual besides the baseball I mean you are a little older and that was kind of the I guess age range age demographic that they were saying hey that this this COVID-19 coronavirus is highly affecting how has it influenced your life there's two sides uh, to that answer. Two stories I, I can tell you there. First of all, the, the business side or the professional side, I still actively work and travel uh, for a company called Advantis based in Jacksonville, Florida. Calling on national customers, my job has been to get on a plane and go see those customers uh, several times during the year. I've worked in a home office environment for as long as I can remember. So being displaced to a home office has not been new to me. I guess the biggest change for me has been the fact that I am not going anywhere. I am not traveling. And certainly, in addition to that, now that the viruses all around us, not being very active socially, uh, staying home, being vigilant, following the guidelines, wearing a mask, going out only when you need to, to the, the grocery store, not going out to restaurants, maybe picking up food now and then, but again, just, just trying to stay safe, do the right thing. And then there's the baseball side of it where, yes, I am in the age where it's a little more susceptible and you have to be a little more careful. The season here in Arizona has been delayed. Normally, our summer season starts in early May. The major league teams are gone, and we're playing 20 to 25 games all summer, uh, just going strong. The MLB complexes have been off limits. We have not been able to get any of those fields. And then we had a stay-at-home order that really lasted, I want to say, until around the 1st of June. So our season did not start until mid-June, and when we did start, we only had access to two fields, and these were both city park fields in Gilbert, a uh, suburb of, of Phoenix. Again, waiting on fields uh, at Tempe Diablo, Salt River Fields, the Cubs Complex, and each uh, municipality pushing those dates back. So to this day, we've played two games. In July, we've, we are only playing one game, which is going to be next week, again, because we've still had only access to two fields and the entire league has had to play on those fields every night. We're supposed to be having more fields come on board August 1st at Salt River Fields where we're supposed to have three or four fields a night. But again, as we know, this has changed every day, and you can't predict anything. That being said, we have a roster of, we play in a 45 and older division, but we have a roster of mostly guys over 60 years old. The roster has maybe 16 to 17 players, but right now we have three guys basically on pause, I'm calling it, because they're being maintained on the roster so that if things change in August or September, when we start to wind up our summer season, they can play then. They don't want to play now for a lot of different reasons, family situations, uh, compromise because of this or that, family issues, but they don't want to play. One guy has, has opted out entirely. So, yes, the, everybody has a reason, and you have to respect that. And so we're all proceeding cautiously. Yes, we want to play. Part of the reason you want to play is uh, out of boredom. 
It gets you out of the house to do something. And yes, we are practicing social distancing when we do play. We don't all cram in the dugout. We're not allowed to. I tell all the players to bring a mask and to bring hand sanitizer. Uh, some players wear them. Some people don't. But, you know, the game of baseball is such that we're not on top of each other. In the dugouts, there's a few guys in the dugout, but a lot of guys bring their own lawn chairs. They have their own equipment, and we spread it along either the first or third base line. So we're doing everything we can. We emphasize it with the players. We're trying to be careful. We're trying to do the right thing. It's a tough choice to make. You just don't really know what to do. But follow the news. Try to stay safe. Try to be vigilant and, and try to do the right thing. We've dealt with the coronavirus for the last four months. We don't need to talk about it anymore. So I want to leave you with just, I actually ask this question often to people that are from one area and then move to another. I mean, how long have you lived in Arizona? I spent most of my time after Northern Illinois in the Chicago Northwest suburbs, lived there, started my business life there and, and my personal life and bought our first place here in 2000. So, yes, we, you could say we've been here for 20 years, but, but that isn't really the case. We really started living here full-time in 2012. We maintained two residences for a time. And as I tell people, you know, once, once you get to Arizona and you love it, the needle gradually moves where you go more often, you stay longer. The pendulum swings to the other side to finally to the point where we decided that this is where we wanted to spend our adult life. I love Illinois. It was a great place to grow up. I have a lot of friends there, a lot of family there, but you know, I love Arizona as well. And this is a great place to be at this point in my life. So you answered my question in the adulting aspect of it all i guess but living in arizona for the last eight years full-time and you know having a place from 20 where has your like sports teams and and likes and stuff like that resided because a lot of times when somebody will go and you'll see after a time you move to florida and all of a sudden you're a different kind of fan than you were when you were in chicago or illinois has that happened to you or are you still you know the chicago teams are your teams you know, the Chicago teams are still my teams, but I still consider myself a sports fan, especially a baseball fan. Out here, I see a lot of Diamondbacks baseball and a lot of West Coast teams. I see the Dodgers a lot. I see the Giants a lot. So I see a lot of West Coast baseball. So watching the Diamondbacks, obviously you get to know the Diamondbacks and you cheer for the Diamondbacks. So I guess I'm one of those guys that can cheer and follow multiple teams. I'm, I'm not a diehard. Cubs fan only. Um, I love baseball. I love college baseball. I love college basketball. And yes, I love following certain teams. As far as the Arizona teams, uh, I'd say the only team I follow the closest is the Diamondbacks. I don't follow professional football as closely as I used to. And when I do, you know, it's usually the Bears. So um, I have not actually ever been to an Arizona Cardinals game yet. So that kind of tells you uh, a story right there. As far as basketball, you know, the Suns are really uh, nothing to, to write home about as well. So, you know, I don't really watch or follow them that closely. When I was in Chicago, I had I had season tickets to the Bulls uh, for about 12 years, and that was all through the Jordan era. 
there will never be a time in my life that will be better than that. As much as I went to games, if I wasn't at a Bulls game, I was watching a Bulls game, whether it was home or on the road. And, and it was such a big part of my life at that time. And then all of a sudden to have that not be a part of your life, uh, you know, you just adapt and change. But that's really how it is. I um, generally uh, a good sports fan, but follow baseball probably the closest. Definitely. I have to leave you with a tough one. A fun question, but tough. Are you ready for this? <laughs> sure. You're a pitcher. You love baseball. I want your top, they don't have to be your top five, but your favorite five MLB pitchers to watch or follow during your lifetime. Wow. Well, um, I love some of the old guys and some of the new guys. So, you know, immediately the two that come to mind would be Sandy Koufax and Bob Gibson. In the 60s, in my opinion, no one better and as dominating as those two guys. Uh, certainly, you know, fast forwarding to just today's game. When I sit down to watch a game, I'm one of those guys that likes to watch a one to nothing game, a two to nothing game. I like to watch a pitcher's duel. I like to watch what the pitcher is doing. So coming to mind would be Madison Baumgarten. Uh, it would be Kershaw. I love to watch Kershaw pitch. I love to watch, um, God, I'm drawing a blank. Who's the guy from the Nationals? Um, the right-hander. Oh, my God. Strasburg? Uh, not well, yeah, Steven Strasburg and uh, the guy that was traded from the, the Tigers uh, to the Nationals. Scherzer, uh, okay. Scherzer. Scherzer. Scherzer and Strasburg, certainly. There's a lot of dominating pitchers today, especially even relief pitchers. The game has changed a lot, but, um, you know, there's nothing better than watching a, a great pitcher do his thing. Interesting names that, you know, you don't really hear that often because you were able to watch some of these guys that, you know, people that I mainly talk to haven't. So thank you for that. I, I like hearing different names and different answers, especially from different eras. It's interesting, you know, back in the 60s when I was growing up, I can recite the lineups and the pitchers on most teams better than I can of any teams, you know, in the last 20 years uh, because they all stayed together, played together. You know, I remember those World Series in the 60s with the Cardinals and the Yankees and the Tigers and all those teams and all those pitchers. And, uh, you know, I can remember sneaking the transistor radio into the school and because the games were in the after the World Series games were in the afternoon. So, you know, it was heartbreaking to know that you were going to miss a World Series game and you had to go to school. So you'd bring your little transistor radio and you try to hook it up so you could sneak uh, by the teacher and think, you know, they, they couldn't tell that you were trying to listen to a, a baseball game on the radio. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Tom, I want to thank you for your time with us here at Edge of URC Podcast. It's been fun reminiscing some baseball in your career and, you know, MLB and, and other things. So thank you for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It's, it's certainly great to be a part of your podcast, and I wish you the best of luck.